Nation's media station. It's time to talk mental health with Dr. Earl Bowen Jr. Mental Health Monday, right now on The Morning Machine. And you know what time it is. It is the Power Hour. And you already know, a lot of you are sleeping in this morning. That's fine. But you should be awakened by now because it is time for the Power Hour. Mental Health and Mindset Monday. We do this every Monday and holidays notwithstanding. All right. So, yes, glad you are listening this morning. Thank you for making a machine a part of your daily morning routine. Let's jump right into the mental health side with Dr. Earl Bowen Jr., who is assistant professor in social and behavioral science and a university counselor at the Cheney University of Pennsylvania. He is licensed by the Pennsylvania State Board of Social Workers, Marriage and Family Therapists, and Professional Counselors. He is also certified in Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Now, Dr. Bowen has completed countless research on the subject matter, so that means while he's speaking, we are taking notes so we can be better at being better. Additionally, furthermore... Dr. Bowen serves as associate rabbi at Congregation Temple Bethel, located in my hometown, and was a great all-star weekend uh, for Tyrese Maxey, because I know it's important to Dr. Bowen. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, powerful boarded Dr. Bowen. How are you? I'm good, Brother Rob. How you doing today, man? Feeling good, feeling great. And one other thing I got to add to it, feeling well-rested. There you go. Ah, that is so important, you know, getting that physical rest and giving that body an opportunity to just replenish and rejuvenate itself. That is so important. I'm glad to hear that, Brother Rob. You're taking care of yourself, taking care of business. That's all good. That's what it is. You you wouldn't expect anything less, Dr. Bowen. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So what's what's on the conversation plate for this morning? Well, this morning, Brother Rob, I want to talk about combating the stigma of mental illness. Mm. You know, this is still somewhat of a stigma um, in our communities, and it's not taken the same way as, you know, your physical health is one thing, and you spoke about that, and that's so important because the two of those are really intertwined. But, you know, when someone breaks a leg or, you know, some other physical ailment, you know, it's kind of looked upon differently. It's like, okay, you know, you, you, you're going to be on the men, uh, you'll be okay. And, you know, mental illness, um, people look at it differently. It's even, it's even treated differently by uh, when you look at insurance reimbursement. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, combating the stigma. Of, of mental illness um, because one thing about and I'm not talking about mental health right now I'm talking about someone who is mentally ill so there's a difference and most of the time I spend talking it's really about um, mental health and and that's really good to talk about however there are some people who are mentally ill and you know we also have to acknowledge that uh, I think oftentimes people who are mentally ill, uh, we look at it as being shameful. And um, in a lot of instances, um, we're in denial. That is, family members are often ashamed 
and they're somewhat in denial. Um, so you think about depression and you think about anxiety. Um, they're really rarely discussed among family members. I mean, very seldom the family members sit down and have a talk about depression or talk about anxiety. These things are really uh, discussed in families in general so that many people believe um, that, um, like, if you have a mental illness or if you're going through some mental health issues, it can basically be shaken off. You can shake it off or it can be fixed. And the way we tend to fix it is through um, money, uh giving people some tangible things and that it's going to be okay. I'm just going to give you some something to make you feel good for the moment and you can basically shake it off. And, you know, I know that sometimes parents in particular are offended um, when their children express depression and anxiety. And, you know, I've heard parents say, you know, I've given you everything. How can you feel this way? And so a lot of times, even parents, they confuse giving gifts and things of that nature, giving money, jewelry, that automatically that's going to basically counteract like their children from feeling depression or feeling some sense of anxiety. What we know is that mental health in general and mental illness in particular it cuts across socioeconomic status. So it does, you know, you can have, um, you know, a really nice fat bank account and you can think maybe because of that, your children or family are well, but um, inevitably, you know, depression and anxiety and things of that nature tends to, to slip in. And a lot of times we're, we're at a loss for why this is happening. Um, so thinking about mental illness uh, is really characterized uh, scientifically as a disease. And when I say disease, th think about a dis-ease, that there is some uh, imbalance in the person's life. So it's, you know, this whole idea of mental illness and mental health in general it's really not about having uh, the perfect life or having a loving family. You can have what looks like on the outside a quote-unquote per perfect life and family loves you, and you could still experience high levels of depression and anxiety, and your mental health can could, in some, may, in some instances, deteriorate to the point where it becomes one of mental illness. So, and as I mentioned a minute ago, you know, mental illness uh, does not discriminate. Uh, it can wreak havoc on uh, people in terms of their mind as well as their soul. It can destroy families. And uh, sometimes, you know, it can take lives. People can actually end up dying from uh, mental illness, which kind of happens over the course of time, but it can get to that point if not intervene. So, but the good news is that you can combat the stigma against mental illness 
And one of the ways you can do that is by refusing to be ashamed of it and acknowledging that there, there, it's really it's the fact that somebody is in pain. So when someone has had a physical uh, ailment, it might be pretty obvious that they're in pain because you can see them walking around, maybe they're on crutches or maybe there are other things going on where you can visibly see that they're in pain. Mental illness is something that you may not really be able to see at first. It's something you have to be attentive to. And so the first thing is to don't be ashamed if this happens to some uh, somebody in your family. Uh, acknowledge that this person is in pain and then offer you support of how you can help them. Um, what happens is that we diminish the stigma of mental illness by admitting our own struggles. So sometimes as we admit that we also have struggles, we actually diminish the stigma of mental health and mental illness. So what we know is just in our own lives is that life is challenging. And sometimes life is unmanageable. But we never know what might push us or push a person over the edge. So although we acknowledge that life is, is tough and sometimes unmanageable, you really don't know what might push a particular person over the edge. And that's why I think it's important to have uh, this discussion. Um, so think about it as as we become comfortable for, with our own struggles in life. It's actually helpful because by becoming comfortable with our own struggles, we can empathize with other people. So that's really one of the points I want to make this morning, is that becoming comfortable with our own struggles in life can help us to empathize with other people who might be struggling in other ways. Um, so it doesn't matter if you think someone is weak because oftentimes uh, in our community we think that if a person is dealing with depression or anxiety, this person is, is weak. Uh, I know for, for men in particular, it's like you need to man up. Um, but it doesn't matter if you think the person is weak because maybe they can't handle a situation that you can handle. And so you look at them in, in a sort of a disparaging way but their experience is their own. So you can't really say because I dealt with this situation and look at how I came out of it, that you assume that this other person can do the same thing. And if they don't, you say, oh, there must be something wrong with you. You're really, a t you're really weak. You need to get better. You need to be stronger. So while there has been a shift towards greater acceptance of mental illness, in the black community in particular, we still have a long way to go. Um, we tend to be more accepting of an issue when it's distant from us, when it doesn't affect us directly. We seem to be more accepting. But when it starts to affect our immediate family or our loved ones, it's oftentimes a different scenario. Uh, when it's home, we act differently. So think about Hiding it and worrying about it and being judged by other people is one of the big areas that we face in mental illness. 
that it's actually hidden, it's, it's under the rug. People tend to worry about it, and they're concerned about being judged by other people. But I think one of the things we have to acknowledge is that struggles and struggling is a part of being human. Uh, Frederick Douglass once said that where there's no struggle, there is no progress. And so to struggle in one's, in one's life is part of the human experience. Uh, as black people in America, our DNA carries trauma, and our history has the potential to amplify mental illness in future generations. So it's often painful to see our loved ones struggle, but the best way that we can help them is by standing with them and empathizing with their pain and not alienating them with words that can be hurtful. So <laughs> it is essential <laughs> to understand that mental illness is widely recognized as, as a disease as I mentioned earlier, um, in terms of science and the medical profession, uh, mental illness is recognized as a disease. Um, it's described as a medical condition that disrupts a person's thinking, feeling, behavior, and ability to relate to other people and daily functions. Very similar to many physical diseases. So mental illness is no different from a physical disease like um, diabetes, for example, uh, a heart disease. Uh, they all have behavioral components and biological basis. So I believe that, that combating the stigma associated with mental illness issues begins, first of all, with education and open communication. Increasing awareness about mental health can foster empathy and understanding, and it can reduce stereotypes and prejudices that we might have about other people. I know that one of the things that um, I've done at Cheney University is we started a student mental health club. And the purpose of the Student Mental Health Club, called DMAX, is really to uh, sensitize and normalize mental health as something that everyone goes through at some point in their lives. And uh, what we have at Cheney are actually student ambassadors who go out, talk to other students, um, have programs and projects that they're operating uh, throughout the semester. And it's really about normalizing uh, mental health. And so these are things that can foster empathy and understanding, and it can reduce the stereotypical behavior and prejudices that we sometimes have about mental health and mental illness in particular. So there are a couple of tips about um, dealing with people who might be dealing with particularly mental, mental health or mental illness issues that I just want to go through. And the first one is to talk openly about mental health, to don't shy away from having that discussion, to encourage dialogue that normalizes mental health, 
and discuss and discourage silence, which is born out of fear and misunderstanding. So the first thing is to talk openly about mental health and to encourage dialogue that normalizes, normalizes it by discussing it and by discouraging silence and that is often born out of fear and misunderstanding. The second thing is to educate yourself and others. That is to share information, share resources about mental health, and dispel myths that promote knowledge. So educating yourself is probably primary in this because you really have to kind of do some of your own research. And once you get information, share that information. Once you have resources, share that, share those resources. And it's really designed to dispel myths and to promote knowledge. The third thing is to be conscious about the language that you use. Oftentimes, we talk, we talk about people who may be struggling with mental health issues in a derogatory way. And remember that words have power. So what you want to do is avoid using dismissive language to describe a person who might be dealing with mental illness. So be very careful about the words that you use, remembering that words have power, and avoid using dismissive language to describe people who may be struggling with mental illness or mental health issues. The other thing is to show compassion for those with mental health issues that uh, they may be dealing with. Treat them with dignity and with respect, just as you would anyone else with a health condition. So showing compassion is very important. And then the fifth thing would be to advocate for equal treatment of mental health conditions and policies that provide equal coverage for mental health and physical care. So some of you may know right now there are governmental policies that are starting to shift where you can actually use your insurance to pay for mental health uh, services. Uh, this was not always the case, but we still need to continue to advocate more for policies that equalize mental health at the same level as one's physical health. So anything you can do to advocate for those policies, talking to elected officials and being a spokesperson in that area would also be helpful. Then finally, if you know someone uh, who is struggling with suicidal thoughts, it's vital to know the signs and to seek help immediately. So some of the warning signs that I want to talk about for the last few minutes that we have, this particularly relates to someone who may have suicidal thoughts, is when you hear someone talking about wanting to die, pay attention to the words that they're saying. The other sign would be a person who feels hopeless person who feels that they really have no reason to live. You want to particularly reach out to those individuals because hopelessness is uh, a major factor in suicidal ideation and in some cases people who go and 
a step further. So don't ignore that. Don't ignore those behaviors. The third thing would be noticing people who are withdrawing and isolating themselves from others. That is, if you look at even those who are serial killers who go on shooting sprees, oftentimes what you find out is that they were there are have been extremely isolated from other people, even from family members. So when you start to notice people withdrawing or isolating themselves, reach out to them for help, that they might get the help that they need. So again, the warning signs, talking about wanting to die, feeling hopeless or having no reason to live, and withdrawing or, and or isolating oneself from others. These are the three major factors and signs that we need to look at or look for that's when people may be feeling some sense of suicidal ideation. Uh, if these signs are present, do not hesitate to reach out. And one of the best sources to reach out to would be the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And I want to repeat that number. I want to give that number and repeat that number. It is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that number is 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-TALK. It is available 24-7 for free and confidential support. And I wanted to leave you with that thought because a lot of times what you find is an escalation as we start all together negative uh, emotion. But I do want to make sure that I give you um, the benefit of my knowledge and understanding of mental health, mental illness, and suicidal ideation. And then I want to end by giving you the six tips that I think can promote a better sense of mental health. Number one is to set boundaries for yourself to prevent burnout. Number two is to remember that you deserve time for yourself. Three is to know that healing from past hurts does not mean forgetting about them. It means giving them less space in your life. The next one will be to make or refresh a list of what you are grateful for and look at that list at least three times a week. And then know that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. And finally, do not suffer in silence. There's usually always help, but sometimes you just have to reach out for it. Hmm. So with that, uh, Brother Rob, I'm going to end for now. Uh, as always, um, praying that you and your loved ones and all of those who are on this morning will have a productive and safe week. And uh, may it be the will of the Most High that we're able to come back together again on next week. Absolutely. So have a good one.